1: Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast, I'm Luis Gonzalez here with Justin Quid, and for the next several podcasts, we're switching things up a little bit for a more playoff-friendly format. We'll cover the week's big events, <laughs> whatever that means this week, and then dive right into the playoff picture, since we all know that's the main thing on everybody's mind.
0: Unfortunately, yes.
1: Yeah, this week has been pretty bad. Well, yeah, this week has been pretty bad. It's been bad. great too, but it,
0: it's not been great lately.
1: Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, going into this playoff series, I'm going into the playoffs. Generally speaking, there was a lot of talk made about the Celtics being the worst or the weakest number one seed of all time, which I thought was pretty bogus. People wanted to say that sort of that Cleveland kind of laid down, uh, Toronto with some injuries, et cetera, et cetera, and that we kind of just caught a break and were fortunate enough that. Cleveland decided that the number one seed wasn't very important to them. So we well, kind might of. might just- be
0: right about that, but I, I, I personally take a very big issue with anything apart from advanced, advanced statistic, uh, definitions of worst one seed ever. If you want to claim that we have like the lowest point differential of a one seed or that we got the worst blowout of a one seed ever, that's fine. But you no. Know, The NBA is not about teams playing for the best point differential in the league or the biggest lead. It's about getting as far as you can and hopefully winning everything. I think you know where I'm going with this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the whole argument that they're the worst number one seed after the result of game two is kind of a cop-out because that just happened. People were saying that we were the worst number one seed before that even happened. So, like you said, the whole point differential argument is pretty dumb. I think these sort of—I don't know if— Point differential is considered an advanced analytic, but uh, you're really going to say that they're, they're the worst number one seed because they have the worst point differential as a number one seed? I, it, it's just it's it's pretty bogus, and I can imagine that there are worse or have been worse number one seeds, and I, quite a I few. Mean, there have been there have been worse number in one. Just
0: seed. in just the last ten years, I took a look just just to you know get an idea you know a lot of people were bringing up the hawks from 2014-15 who got swept in the eastern conference finals which is a fair comparison uh we have one of them on the team in al horford and we're probably going to also be swept we could do better than them still but we're not going to do any worse so that in and of itself kind of shoots that argument down but even if it didn't We have the 2012-13 Thunder, who lost in the Western Semis, 1-4. The 2011-12 Bulls, who lost in the Eastern first round, 2-4. The Spurs from 2011, who lost in the first round as well, 2-4. The Cavs, who in 2009-2010... Uh, lost in the East semis and the Mavs from two thousand six two thousand and seven exactly ten years ago who lost in the western first round two to two games to four.
1: I mean, I think a lot of people will hear that and say, oh look they they won two games or they won a game the Celtics couldn't couldn, couldn't even win one game but again, yeah, but those are all an earlier
0: series too though I mean like first yeah,
1: and second exactly round. exactly so i I would rather be and I was saying this to myself the other day. I would rather be in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics as they are right now with the draft picks, the potential cap space, et cetera, et cetera. I'd rather be in the Eastern Conference Finals getting blown out by 60 points each game on route to a sweep than out in the first round with a salary cap conundrum with a 21st pick in the draft.
0: I really think that if people take a minute and try and remember, or even if you're feeling super ambitious, go back and look at what other other people respected writers and quite a few fans even, a lot of fans were being called ridiculous by other fans by projecting a plus 50 win season this year.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. We won 53 games. Yes, we did. A lot did. of fans were, were saying it was ridiculous to think that we were going to get further than out of the first round if we were lucky. And yep. we're in the conference finals. So... There's plenty of things to be critical about this team and the series and the postseason of the Celtics in general, but that's not one of them. That is not thought, a valid
1: critique. Yeah, before we move on, I do want to say that the Celtics probably had a few more wins in them. You have to remember, uh, and all of our listeners have to remember, the fact that they were pretty beat up going into this, well, during the first quarter of the season. And oh, I would say probably the first, first half of the season. Injuries left and right to Al... Um Jay, Jay, Marquez, Jay, yeah, IG. all of our, yeah, all of our, you know, essential starters. players. <laughs> <laughs> <Jay> <laughs> players. Of so I think if you keep them in for the 20 plus games they all miss combined, maybe they creep closer to 56, 57 wins. Who knows? The the outcome might be the same, getting swept by the Cavs, but it's still very, very promising for a team that w- was expected to make a pretty modest jump in wins from last year to this year.
0: But, Lewis, it's not like they're sweeping any other teams in the... Wait, never mind. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, um, so that got us thinking, got Justin thinking. There are probably worse seeds than... Oh, there's all
0: kinds of worse seeds, like watermelon. Like, when I'm eating watermelon, I hate it when they get stuck in my teeth.
1: <laughs> that's Avocado... That is cool.
0: Avocado, like, avocados are becoming really popular in Europe now, and evidently it's, it's become, they become so popular that people are slicing their hands open at record levels. So those are kind of annoying seeds.
1: Yeah, I can't believe it.
0: <laughs> also, also those ones that stick to your pants when you walk out through, through the grass. Those, those are super annoying. Dandelions are kind of cool though. Those are not bad seeds. Terrible seeds. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> but Good point, this, though. Good point. This got me thinking about, if NBA teams were seeds, which ones would they
1: be? All right.
0: Like, for example, uh, Boston, probably whatever Jack and the Beanstalk planted to get the pot of gold nobody expected him to find, or, or however that went.
1: Did he steal the seed from the Nets? I think he did. I, You know, the, the, the Nets roasts should stop at some point, but honestly, I don't think that they should.
0: I mean, once <laughs> we make all the picks, I think we're kind of – on fair ground again i mean if if brooklyn was was a seed then basically they'd be all the seeds that i try to plant whenever i get the stupid idea to try to garden even though i have no experience whatsoever gardening and i just have a bunch of money that i can spend on gardening (laughs) it would seem like a great investment to go out and get like some heirloom seeds and you know sometimes sometimes they even sprout a little bit but then everything dies and I'm not sure if I should blame myself or whoever sold me the seeds. It's just a real hard position to be in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be Brooklyn.
0: You could be the Clippers. They'd be like pumpkin seeds. They're tasty. They look like the real deal. Then midnight happens or the playoffs or whatever and they turn into pumpkins.
1: Oh boy. That, that, oh, that was rough.
0: <laughs> I don't know what, like, Cleveland and Golden State are. Cleveland's probably, like, kudzu because it just takes over everything in its path. And, well, the Warriors must be some kind of carnivorous plant. I don't even know what kind.
1: Uh, what's that plant, the one that eats things and the flies? Uh, Venus flytrap. That's not a seed, but... but I mean, it's got to come from somewhere, right? They yeah. It's just, like, spontaneously reproduce or something. Yeah, we'll call Golden State a Venus flytrap, which would make Cleveland, like, a Venus flytrap on something. That, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You fill in the blank there. Point, point, point made that they're really, really scary.
0: Both they're very scary, slightly dangerous, and something that is fun to watch when it has its victim in its jaws. Fair enough.
1: I, well, not not for us right now, at least. I mean,
0: we're probably not playing them again this year, so who cares?
1: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Anyway, on some more <laughs> on a more positive note, uh, Isaiah Thomas was named second team All NBA, which I don't think should come as a surprise to anybody. Nah. He had he had a had an incredible season. You can talk all day about how he's five nine, probably closer to five eight, five seven, if anything, which probably makes it more remarkable. But he had a great, series, a great season. Sorry, and I think it's well deserved for sure. And you can make a lot of a, a lot of noise about uh, Clay Thompson being left out, and who else was left out? Chris uh, Paul, Chris, Chris Paul, Paul, Damian <laughs> Lillard, et cetera, et cetera. Lillard, I could see barely maybe yeah, I, not making it. But... I see him as a third team, but I, all of the teams are pretty stacked, obviously. Yeah. And I, I'm sure all the voters had a pretty tough decision to Chris make. Paul
0: is- the only one I can think of who really, really... I mean, he's like borderline first team, to second team, and I'm very yes. surprised he didn't
1: yeah. make it. He does make it every single year, so I don't think he's too upset that he didn't make it this or, but
0: this might be the last time he has a chance to make it for a long time. Depending
1: that on is true. Out. The Clippers are probably going to have to blow it up. But I do think, sort of off topic, but I do think that if the Clippers are going to retain anybody, it's going to be him and they're going to have to get rid of everybody else. Well, JJ, it's not like he
0: made this player designated veteran player exception himself as a negotiator in the new CBA. Or, wait, yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of that, two guys that didn't make it onto that uh, any of those three All-NBA teams are Paul George and Gordon Hayward, which will definitely, at least I think and I'm sure you think, will affect how Boston kind of steps into there and negotiates um, with Indiana at least or tries to convince Gordon Hayward to come over to Boston, although he will make, either way, at least Gordon Hayward will make less in Boston than he, than he can in, in, in uh, Utah.
0: Yeah, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but it's, it's something to the order of 40 or 50 million dollars more he could have made had he been eligible for this designated veteran player exception.
1: It's a huge difference.
0: Absolutely massive. And now he can still make more, but it's not that much more because he's, he's not going to get that extra year and he's not going to get the increase in the available cap percentage either. So. In my mind, the difference between Hayward taking a max with us or a max where he's at or wherever he might be interested in going is a considerably smaller factor, maybe to the point where it doesn't matter. It's pretty hard to turn down, you know, a difference of money that's life-changing, never mind the money you're already getting on top of it. But when when it's, you know, less than 10%, Difference overall, I don't think it's that big of a deal.
1: No, yeah, for sure. I saw an article on the Bleacher Report. I don't know what the source was. It, might, it may have been Bleacher Report. But something that came up with Paul George was that he's more concerned about his legacy than he is about money.
0: Yeah, so I think for him, the moves that are made by the new management team in Los Angeles... Possibly also with the Clippers, not that that's a new management team yet, but I have heard the Clippers thrown around as a, as a potential foil to the Lakers' plans who have, have been kind of like framed as this fate accompli sort of situation. I, I do think that if they don't make the right moves, if they don't make, you know, if they if they go for another Mozgov-type signing, which I doubt they will because that's about as bad a signing you can pull off. Yeah. In in a situation like that, I I think that if they make a stupid move, then it could be the difference. But even still, if Boston looks more attractive, I wouldn't be surprised if... Okay, so a lot of people are are talking about him and the Lakers because of what his agent said to the right reporters, which was basically, I'm going to stay in Indiana if I can, if they surround me with the right talent, very much like a Paul Pierce kind of a thing... Right before the the whole big three trade in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight with ray Allen, et etc., took place. A very similar situation was signaled from his agent to the media that he was not happy with the way things were going, but he was willing to work out. And if it didn't happen, he would probably head to the Lakers because yada yada yada. Love Kobe Bryant growing up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's probably based on a grain of truth. But if Boston looks substantially better as a prospect for getting a ring with him. And I think that barring a big surprise is going to, even with them retaining their pick, which could have been a big factor, but they ultimately didn't have to have to hand it to the 76ers with it falling in the top three. They may not be as much of a luck to retain him or excuse me, not retain him to sign him as some people think.
1: I think something else that definitely is going to have to factor in is at least with the Lakers. And Paul George is the fact that, at least right now, it seems like the Lakers are a lock to pick Lonzo Ball. And I think for Paul George, you have to consider whether or not you want to be a part of all of that inevitable Lonzo Ball and Lavar Ball hoopla that's bound to happen next yeah. season. Also, D'Angelo Russell... Yeah, exactly. Is not exactly
0: the best reputa- most reputable player in terms of a teammate in the league because yeah. of his incident with Nick Young that ended up getting him and his fiance broken up. There was an there was a filming incident that where he basically outed his buddy as cheating on his fiance. So there's that to think of on top of the on court things where D'Angelo Russell is a player who likes to score, and that doesn't exactly mesh that great with paul george i think that could probably coexist and somebody like lonzo ball should the media circus not be an issue you know that seems like a fairly decent pairing as, as a point guard but then what do we do with d'angelo russell so that's something else to watch out for that may need some resolution there's a, there's a lot of things going on you know in, in terms of we haven't even really seen what palenka rob palenka and magic johnson are going to be as managers there's you know, plenty of evidence that Magic Johnson is not the best talent assessor, but he yeah. he's had his hand in the LA Dodgers organization for some time, and they've done all right. So, you know, I'm not a baseball fan, but I know enough about what's going on with them that they're doing okay, and he's got a, a significant voice in that organization. So that may be an overblown concern, but I think you're right. It really boils down to what's going on in the offseason with
1: that team for it to be a lock. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not to put it. Not to, not to make it seem like it's super simple, but I think it comes down to whether he wants to go to a team that's surrounded by a lot of youth and or, a lack of direction, and a lack of direction, or go to Boston where it's a younger team, but it's not like babyface. Yeah, exactly. Like these are younger players that know what's going on. Like they understand what the goal is. It's not like, all right, I need to go out there and get mine. It's I, what can I do for my team? Whereas in LA, I don't know if it's the same sort of culture mentality, but then again, I, you know, I don't live in LA. I'm not an LA Laker follower. I, you know, I understand some of what's going on in there. I, I understand the personality of their players, et cetera, et cetera. But I definitely think it has to be a factor.
0: I think we're going to have to have another talk with, with our resident Laker fan, Alton Lebrecht. He was really good in that, that appearance he gave us earlier this year, and I think he'd be the perfect person to talk to you to get a good good bird's-eye view on what the Laker fans, at least the ones with an opinion I care about, <laughs> yeah. um, what they think about the situation. But there's more going on with the offseason in terms of how the designated veteran player exception, I hate saying that. I'm just going to start calling it DVPE, and we're going to have to start remembering it because it's way too long to say. The DVPE uh, could affect some teams in some unexpected ways, too. There's only four people this year, this summer, who are going to qualify for it, that being Stephen Curry, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, and Harden. But I don't know if all of them are a luck for getting it. Stephen Curry probably, depending on what happens with Kevin Durant, but that could go sideways. Harden seems like he's absolutely certain to get it, but Russell Westbrook and John Wall are two guys who I could definitely see things happening. I could see Russ being flipped for talent, given that when he resigns, he's gonna like by the time that deal ends on top of his current deal because you can't you can't renegotiate the DVPE onto an existing deal. You have to add it to one, as yeah. far as I understand it. He's gonna be like 36 years old by the time he's done with that. They may not be wanting to pay 35% of their cap in a market that's that small to a 36-year-old point guard that's extremely dependent on athleticism. And then John Wall, they're going to be at $98 the season after this season with no real way to add talent unless they blow it up and tank a bit, which is not going to be acceptable for their fans after this season. But at the same time, how are they going to add talent if they're going to be basically capped out for the next two seasons?
1: That uh, that's why I don't work in the front office.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't know what they're going to do I, you know they could just not give it to John Wall and hope that he doesn't leave but considering the fact that he's already complaining about how much his younger teammate Bradley Beal is making in not little yeah. so vague terms. I I think that that's a potentially volatile situation, and we might get surprised with them moving him or Beal or both or who knows what could happen with them. So there's there's some potentiality that between like the the cap projection shrinking down to 102 million versus the 108ish million that people were talking about. That we could see some really unexpected things from that, or the com- that, and combined with the the DVPE, because so far the only person who has been eligible for that deal and who looked likely to sign it got moved, that being Demarcus Cousins this past trade deadline.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. I think something that's going to have to happen at some point, and I don't know how likely it is to happen, is that some of these star players are going to have to realize that. If they want to win a championship, it it has to be a more balanced salary across the team. So if you want to win a championship, you need to realize that you're probably not going to be the only superstar on the team. So you're going to have to make some sacrifices in terms of in terms of the salary you're making. You may not be you you may not be able to make that 30 million a year that you want to make. You may have to creep closer to 23 so that you can fit in another guy that's making 18 or 19 million dollars a year. I'm sort of like uh, I mean Golden State is in that position right now where Kevin Durant is the highest paid player. I think he's making 26 million. Steph is making like 12
0: Iguodala um, is up for for his contract. Steph yeah. is is up for his contract, and possibly, most likely, Kevin Durant is also going to be up for his contract. And yeah, because they, they can fit them in,
1: but somebody's taking a pay cut. And but I can imagine that they would one of them would be willing to do it well, because they they real. I mean, again, I I don't want to assume, but it seems like. You know, you already have this championship core. If I'm, if I have to make five to six million dollars less a year to win another championship,
0: uh you could do, you could do. Not that anybody does this, but you could totally have somebody instead of having the stars do it. You could have Iguodala take six million dollars instead of the eleven ish that I think he's expecting, and then. When he retires, miraculously gets an incredibly well-paying office job for the, for the organization. Since that's not, since it's not on the books, but it's a situation that we're going to have to face soon enough too. And, you know, I'm not going to dive into that because we don't have a lot of time, but you know, this is a problem that a lot of teams are increasingly going to have to face after the TV cap spike deals were signed and versus the reality we're facing now. It's really kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a fun situation to be in, but it's it's inevitable. Everybody wants to get paid at the end of the day, especially All-Stars. So, Speaking of All-Stars.
0: All-Stars and potential dilemmas in terms of how much and when we're going to pay someone.
1: Isaiah Thomas.
0: Out with a hip strain, a labrum tear as well, which may need surgery. It may not. He should be fine come next season if he doesn't need surgery. If he does, it could go fairly far into the regular season. And that complicates and clouds any kind of decision-making process. Again, I'm not going to dive into it too deep because it's so much information is still, you know, we don't even know who we're drafting, who might be competing with him, or whether he's even going to go under the knife. So things to think about, not pleasant things, but we'll get there when we get there.
1: Yeah, I I feel like we're going to have to dedicate an entire podcast to Isaiah Thomas, the situation. That's what it'll be called. And we'll be super dramatic and, I don't know, play some suspenseful music or something. Uh, But it it is a big deal. He's going to command a pretty hefty salary. Hopefully he doesn't require surgery on his hip. I I remember getting a notification yesterday saying that he had a hip some. Some, some, something impingement, some, uh, some medical phrase there that I couldn't pronounce. I would I like, say,
0: and I, I'm guilty of it too. But you know, reading our own, our own comment comment sections and the shout box and other comment sections, the internet is suddenly filled with a bunch of armchair doctors, and it's great.
1: <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, But yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting dilemma for the Celtics. Do you trade him now, even though he is obviously injured, and get max value for him and hope to build around around Markel Fultz, who is presumed to be the number one pick? Or do you keep him and pay him the $30 million a year that you're going to end up paying him?
0: Or do you write it out till his, till his contract's done and see what happens and risk losing such an amazing potential
1: asset? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of factors in here. Again, we can't get into this because we're going to dedicate a very suspenseful pod to this. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. But Al Horford is going to, is going to be on the decline after next year. He's making a lot of money. So unless you restructure his deal, and fit Isaiah in under there. And if Gordon Hayward comes over, I don't, again, I'm not Danny Ainge. I don't want to be Danny Ainge. So, I mean, the only thing I want from Danny Ainge is his free Chipotle for lifeguard. But that's pretty much it. We all
0: want his free Chipotle for Life Card, except for when norovirus alerts are are, are going around, then no one wants it, but that's not his fault.
1: That is not his fault.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one but good yeah. thing though about all of this is that Foltz, if he is the pick, seems to be happy to come here. He's he's publicly spoken about his fit with Isaiah. Isaiah has talked with him about playing together. They have the shared Washington pass to mesh with each other and bond over, I think, much ado about nothing, at least for now.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I'm happy to have faults come in. I think he's a great fit. I don't care if we have 400-point guards on the team. I, again, he's he's long, defensive upside, could score the basket. He has that connection with IT, uh, positive kid. <laughs> I, I like the, the fact that he's he's just, like, really low-key as opposed to, like, super boisterous. He doesn't have a, an overbearing father, which is also really good. He doesn't have a... Uh, Major
0: selling point for me.
1: <laughs> he doesn't have a $400... i am sorry, $500 sneaker. He just seems like a cool kid, and I, I'd love to have him alongside Jalen. Let both of them grow with one another, I think. They both have the potential to be a 1-2 lockdown defender-type knockdown scorer duo going forward but hey that's just me happily projecting my my hopes and wishes
0: you're not alone
1: yeah i'm sure i'm not we yeah at
0: the, the the part of the podcast that i know we're all here for actually none of us are here for it
1: not none of us. of us nope nobody i don't uh, just it, it, you're, you're you probably understand where we're going with this if you don't want to hear it, just skip forward about five minutes because we're probably not going to spend much time talking about this because there's not much to talk about uh, what the Celtics. Didn't oh. do. Yeah, all right. They didn't do. They didn't play very well. All right. Let's be honest. Game we're, one. We're being very bad. generous. Yeah. Game one wasn't that bad.
0: At least we know that Isaiah was playing through injury.
1: Yeah. He's he's been playing through injury for at least two weeks.
0: Now. Roughly. I mean, yeah. longer than that, goes back to the Brooklyn and Milwaukee games.
1: Oh wow, I thought it was the Washington series.
0: The Washington is when he re aggravated oh, it and he's oh. been playing with it since then.
1: Well, look at that. That makes me feel a lot better. And he played pretty well that series.
0: But, you know, I listened to a lot of other podcasts and several of them. Nate Duncan, for example, was talking about how he also noticed and he's he's about as unbiased, he doesn't care if the Celtics win or lose unless they're entertaining. So, you know, unlike me, he doesn't have green-tinted lenses to account for. And he also saw that ahead of time, got me watching it. I noticed it. And it turns out it, it was connected to a real thing. All you people yeah. who are out there saying he's faking an injury because he's trying to make an excuse. Knicks, nope. go go be a fan of the Knicks or some yeah. other. I'm just going to shut my mouth. Anyway.
1: Yeah, we... you don't want to make anybody upset. I, I, I don't think Isaiah Thomas has to prove anything to anybody anymore. at this point. No, no. I mean, he, he hasn't for a few years now, even before he was with the Celtics to come in. And I, I hate to be that guy mentioning his size, but uh, you can't understate it and you can kind of overstate it at the same time. The fact that he's, he is a, he is a smaller, player, a shorter player than your conventional NBA guy. And for him to come in as a 60th pick, 60th pick in the draft, and put up the numbers that he puts up. His assist numbers have been way up, especially during the playoffs. For him, for him to come in and play as well as he has through all the adversity, through all the tragedy, he has nothing to prove to anybody. So all all of the people that are like sort of shaming him and saying that he's not this, he's not that, these are people that are just kind of doing it just to do it, and probably don't don't watch the NBA very much.
0: Nope. Uh, That's it's fine.
1: A, it's, yeah, it's very frustrating to see people kind of be down on him when he's been nothing but spectacular.
0: They're going to all to secure in a couple weeks yeah. anyway, because the only time they ever follow the Celtics is when they start to do better than people expect, which has been often lately, and pretty like, a little bit more of them. But
1: <sighs> but anyway, yeah, we, we do have to talk about these games, whatever or whatever they were. Game one, like I said earlier, wasn't as bad as game two. It was a little more competitive, I guess, at some point, but not really.
0: Lots of uh, chippiness,
1: text between
0: Tristan it. Thompson Marcus Smart kind of, you know, gave us a little bit of something, that that run in the third and the fourth where they cut it short.
1: The crowd was great.
0: But Amir's toast, even though, you know, this is going to be tomorrow, yesterday when you hear this, but Amir is starting again tonight. I don't understand. I guess just to give him some more minutes with Boston before he departs to
1: yeah, parts unknown. Definitely gone after this year.
0: Crowder and Bradley and Isaiah were good with 21, 21, 17 points, respectively. Horford and Brown were both okay with 11 and 8 and 10 and 9, respectively. But basically, nobody else gave anything.
1: And then there was game two. Which, yeah. Was a... My notes literally say,
0: pardon the obscenity, but we've earned it with this game. Holy shit, this sucked to watch.
1: Yeah, it was... It was pretty bad across the board. I'm sure most of, most of you who are listening to this probably caught a glimpse of the game, which probably wasn't much of a game after the first five minutes. Uh, they were down by 50 at one point. Um, I honestly don't know why I kept watching the game. Uh, LeBron James may have been motivated by the fact that he wasn't an MVP finalist. Uh, whatever. He played really well. Uh, there was a chase down block on Avery Bradley at some point in this. I want to say it was in the first half, second yeah. quarter, maybe third quarter. I
0: think it was the second quarter. It wasn't a chase down block. It was a chase down nuke.
1: Yeah, that that was pretty indicative of what the what the whole game was like. Uh, yeah, Isaiah Thomas was way out of it. Obviously playing through a lot of pain. Layup, layups were off. Drives to the rim were pretty bad. Um, Brown came to play though. He's, he's yeah. 14. He was the only only bright spot.
0: Yeah, Horford was acceptable. Thirteen points, five rebounds. That's all right. Yeah. Tyler Zeller showed up, put eight points on the board. That's probably more than he put on the board in the last month. So great.
1: <sighs> yeah, uh, Marcus Smart, decent defense, I guess. Can't couldn't make a shot. What about it's
0: that offense, like, solo six.
1: Yeah, that his offensive game has been pretty non-existent for. A while now. I, I mean, you can mention the fact that he's he, you know, he's had some sort of, he's had some de- decent games offensively in these playoffs. I think he had a good one against the Wizards, maybe one or two, where he scored at least ten or something like that. But, but overall, uh, he's been pretty poor offensively. Defensively is another uh, another story. But I think the whole posting up of Kevin Love thing and the posting up or, or uh, of um, LeBron James uh, is not working very well.
0: Yeah, the whole, the whole putting two guys on, on LeBron it doesn't work very good when everyone on the other team who can shoot threes hits them. And last time I checked, everyone on the other team can shoot threes.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's, you can say that somebody can probably write a 60 page thesis on how poorly the Celtics played in game two and break it down. 60 pages worth. It was pretty bad.
0: I mean, if you took away 30% of a team's offense, any team they faced in the playoffs because of injury, I think you'd probably get a fairly similar result. But if people want to enjoy some schadenfreude at the expense of the Celtics, fine. I'll deal with it. We've got 17 banners and we're getting another soon, so suck it up. That
1: is for sure. Uh, we do have a game three tonight. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is obviously out. That game is in half an hour. Again, this won't matter because you'll be listening to this tomorrow uh, and depending on how the game goes, you might be listening to this in a good or a bad mood. If, We're thinking bad. Yeah, if the trend continues it's probably going <laughs> to bad uh, but either way uh, we'll be with you all Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to wrap up the series uh, which will know. Pro- or not, let's hope that it's not. But again, with the way that things are going, we assume uh, so. the, the season will be over and the off season will start right away, which is great.
0: For those of you who are going to be listening in the off season, we will continue covering whatever is happening in the off season. We'll probably cut it to once a week, barring things like the draft and. You know, little, little bits of excitement, like maybe the start of the Summer League will kick it back up for an extra episode every now and again. But mostly we're just going to relax a little bit, cover stuff with a little more free-flowing things and get a little weird f- just to keep things interesting.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I think there there's a lot to talk about in the offseason, especially with the draft coming. When, when is the
0: draft? June 20-some? 23rd, if I remember correctly, but it could be yeah it's,
1: yeah, it's not too far. It's uh, a little a month from now. You know, which seems like a lot of time, but it's, no, nah, it's, it's really not that much. But anyway, uh, check out the links at top of CelticsLife.com. We have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store. And well, you probably can't get tickets to the next, <laughs> next game under that heading. Barring <laughs> some miracle, I hope that you can purchase tickets to game five at TD Garden in Boston, but stay tuned tonight. Anyway, you can find the pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. If you don't like something or have some suggestions, make sure to let us know with a comment on any Celtics Life article or Twitter with the hashtag CLpod. That is hashtag CLpod. Uh, we're always trying to bring you the Celtics covers that you want, the way that you like it. Again, this has been a pretty meh pod in terms of positivity. Uh, again, just about these games, though. Yeah, just about these games. The Celtics have a favorite Just yeah. about what I
0: had to watch and what I'm about to watch.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't care if we lose these two, these next two games by combined combined 300 points and set some sort of. A crazy record, but with 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 the draft picks that we have and the potential draft picks that we can have, and Danny Ainge making his trades and whatnot, I think the Celtics and Celtics fans have a lot to look forward to. So don't don't be too down. Remember that this in the in the in the grand scheme of things, we're we're doing all right. We're definitely not down too well. So, Dinner 18 and 18. So, hopefully, you guys like what you hear, and we will catch you guys at some point in the middle of the week or Friday. Go Celtics! I, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Take care, y'all. Try not to cry too hard. It's gonna be good soon. All right.